1: Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game and has 100% promised to say the word Patreon like we mean it. I'm Kevin Day and here is Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Sadly, we are still recording remotely because lockdown may have eased, that the Baroness still doesn't want me in her garden, apparently. <laughs> that that can happened. be read in so many ways, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> just, as I said, I just realised it sounded like a euphemism. Uh, and also, Kieran and I are both in a middle-aged way, all bunged up today. Uh, uh, Harry and nostrils are all bunged up, so it's probably best that we are still remote, Kieran. Um, it, it's news day, and Wigan fans, prepared to breathe out in about two stories time. But first, Kieran, that interview we did with Martin Sowell on our last pod, director of Chippenham Town FC, about the National League finding teams for not fulfilling fixtures was never going to be the last word on the subject, was it?
0: Well, no, no. I mean, um, uh, Martin was uh, an, an excellent guest. Yes. But uh, very soon afterwards, and he had sort of hinted that things might be developing. Um, there was a proposal from Maidstone United and Dorking Wanderers yeah. um, that there would that, that there should be a vote of no confidence in both the board and Brian Barwick, who's who's the chair um, now as you would expect in an organisation such as the National League we now have to go through the small print in order for that vote first of all to take place they've got to be able to call an emergency general meeting yep. so for that they need 10% of the total votes now the National League normally has 24 clubs but as they uh, as they inherited from the EFL a club that just gone bust in the form of Macclesfield town that drops to twenty three, yeah. National League North and National League South have four votes each. Now whether they vote sort of on block is sort of in a similar way to the Trade Union Congress used to do in in uh, uh, in, in terms of the Labour Party. I'm not quite sure, or whether it's sort of on a pro rata basis. We'll have to find that out. Um, but if they get uh, if they get ten percent of the votes, then then it, then they go to to hold the vote itself. And they need uh, 75% to pass the motion, i.e. they need 24 votes out of 31. Um, Another way to think of it, you need seven clubs to say, well, actually, we're quite happy with the board. And remember, we've got people from individual clubs uh, in the National League who are on the board. So are they going to vote for a vote of no confidence? We're not so certain. But uh, there's clear uh, dissatisfaction with the present position. Um, the producer guy has emailed the uh, National League. You know, we wanted to give them a right of reply. We we have tried to cover this story um, as equitably as we can, but we end up running one side of the story because they don't want to talk.
1: Yeah, yeah, which which always makes you a little bit suspicious because, uh, as Martin Sowell pointed out, I, you know I'm not Jeremy Paxman, and neither are you. We are, we genuinely want to hear. The other side of the story, because otherwise it makes us look like we're partisan, and we we sort of are, because we know more about one side of the story than another. If if there is an EGM and if there is a vote of no confidence, what does that mean in practical terms, Kieran? Does it actually mean that the, the board will will have to change or will have to do something? Well, if if the uh, if if effectively the shareholders
0: of an organisation have no faith in the management then the management really have no other place to go apart from to resign. Although, uh, you know, looking at things on a broader sphere in society today, it does appear that if you just brazen things out, nobody, everybody just shrugs and moves on to the next subject, which, which I don't think will necessarily be in the best interests of the National League. It's very difficult to have any credibility if you've uh, if you've taken a, a, a big vote of no confidence, and even yeah, you know, the worst case scenario is if between fifty and seventy five percent of people vote uh, in in favour of no confidence, the the, the board it, it, the the vote isn't carried. But at the same time, you know that you are not popular.
1: Yeah, but also the National League are doing that kind of innocent whistling thing and saying, "Well, it wasn't us; it was an independent panel. So why are you upset with us? I don't know." And they're also. In that kind of way, you know, sometimes in, you'll, you'll see a 60s gangster film when a, a low-level mobster will wander up to somebody in the shop and and push a vase over and say, oh, what a shame that would be if that got broken. There's some suggestion that the, the National League have said that if the 16 clubs basically pay the fine and shut up, then they may quietly forget the suspended points deduction. So, yeah, but again, without the National League... You know, responding to us, we can only, we can only report this as as conjecture and rumour, which which nobody wants, least of all the clubs in the national league. And it does seem, Kieran, as we look at our next story, that life is very confusing for struggling clubs at that level, because Chester were rejected for Sport England emergency funding, as they are too well run financially, but Chesterfield were given a one million pound loan.
0: Yes, this this uh this is all to do with the Sport England uh winter sports package. So the government has put together a three hundred million pound loan package. Now this is this is for all sports. So you know it, it affects yeah, badminton and hockey and lacrosse and all, all those other sports which you know we don't get which don't get a lot of attention, but for the people that play them are still, you know, a central part to their life. And I still think are absolutely fantastic as well, because it's it's part of being British and English, you know. It's sort of that those quirky sports, which which you, when you do see play, yeah, you know, I'll often sort of just stand up. Like, we, we've got some very strange sports down here in uh, in Sussex, um, <laughs> one, one of which is called stallball, which is not what you
1: think. Um, but uh, well, what is know, it? I, I, you can't don't 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 leave us for those of us not luckily enough to live in leafy Sussex. What don't leave us hanging? What is stallball?
0: It, it's sort of a cross between. Um, rounders and cricket where where there is a wicket but the wicket is a uh about the size of a laptop screen um and it's four foot up in the air and, and you you bowl underarm um and they 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 try to uh they try to hit the ball and the ball's like a, an american softball or baseball um and, and you you try to hit it uh, in a quadrangle in the same way as baseball um and, and it's all it's, it's all very jolly and, and afterwards we we go we go away for for lashings of ginger beer (laughs) and and, and cucumber sandwiches, as you can imagine.
1: It's only 40 miles away from here, Kieran, but you're describing a different world. I, I just love the idea that in Sussex there's a sport that involves throwing a sponge ball at a laptop screen. That's Also... Also, I love the idea that you describe lacrosse as a as one of those typically English games, a game that we stole from North American Indians three hundred <laughs> three hundred three hundred years ago. Anyway, so 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 this winter fund, there's a lot of money. You said I mean, it's three hundred million quid. There's a lot of money to distribute. So why are clubs like Chester not getting it, and Chesterfield are getting it? Well, it, it, it's done on an assessment basis, uh, and, and, I, and I don't think
0: this should. I mean, because sometimes it is being portrayed as Chester versus Chesterfield, but it shouldn't be. I mean, I. I would say that Chesterfield Football Club have the most detailed accounts of any club in in the top six divisions so you know I'm, I'm oh, I've always they they, they, they they will tell you how much they 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 actually spend on on catering for sandwiches at matches and referees fees. It's it's, it's really detailed. There's not many people interested, but if anybody that is, take a look at Chesterfield's accounts. CFC 2001 Limited, for those of you already heading to Companies <laughs> House.
1: <laughs> I just mentioned Kieran's name, by the way. You'll get a discount. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, any historical reasons, Kieran? Sorry to interrupt you, but are there historical reasons for Chesterfield having such... Detailed accounts? I, I no, there isn't. I mean, it's, it's only because I've started. Yeah,
0: you know, it's only been the sort of the last ten years that I've really sort of delved into these things with a huge amount. I, I just think that they've they've decided to be open with people, and, and that's to be encouraged. And the reason why the loan has been granted is that you know, in in the last year or two they they've been losing money, and the purpose of these loans is to try try to preserve the existence of clubs. So if it's a sticking plaster, then then by all means it works. When we get to Chester, and if you read what's on the the Chester uh, Chester FC website, mm. it is uh, it, it is a very measured comment. Um, they were rejected because in the in the view of Sport England, they are not at risk. Um, they are already a sustainable club, despite COVID. They've got net no debt, um, and also you know, they're in the National League North, which has been abandoned for this season it has been closed down therefore they've managed to put their staff into furlough whereas with Chesterfield they're in the National League itself which is progressing so they've still got players wages I, I so, so yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's uh it's been portrayed at some places is you know why are Chesterfield getting it and Chester not getting it I think there's a case for both clubs potentially getting the money because Chester still have some whilst they're not paying out the wages they've still got ongoing uh weekly costs as you do for any business um but th- that's the way the assessments come in which, which seems harsh you know given that they have worked so hard you know i' I can remember going to Chester play at the old sealand road uh, ground uh, and then they moved to their new place and I think they got they got shafted slightly there because it certainly wasn't you know, it, it wasn't it was a, as it was originally uh, sold to the fans it, it is very much sort of uh, you know block paper you know, block breeze blocks yeah um, which which is a shame because it's uh, you know it it's uh, it, it's it's a nice little uh you know it's a, it's a nice little city and you know their rivalry with Wrexham is one of those wonderful things that we've got in this country the fact that the 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 clock Pointing, I don't know if you've heard about this story about the clock at Chester. Uh, it's got three faces because it won't point towards Wrexham, <laughs> even though they've got four sides to the tower. And, and this, this is this is this is why we love this place. This is why we love the game.
1: That's that's brilliant. And when all this is over, anybody who can should visit Chester Racecourse as well, which is, I believe, the the smallest racecourse in Europe. Which it's, it's an amazing sight. Um,
0: I've, I've been there quite a few times because the yeah. the Baroness's brother owns quite a few horses. Really? So yeah. So he he, he quite often uh, has them running at Chester, uh, and we go down. And uh, if, if Chester, when they've got their three or four day meets um, at uh, at weekends, especially in the summer, uh, the whole of Merseyside decamps, yeah. and the sights of people as they are struggling to get back to the station are, <laughs> are a view to, to to stay in the memory
1: banks for a long time. Ah, if if your brother-in-law, by the way, wants to go into a syndicate with a bloke with no money, just, uh, <laughs> just give him my number one. Just and, and one final word on this, Kieran. You and the Baroness have got a stall ball team, haven't you?
0: Uh I, I've I, I I I used to play. I got banned from playing because I could spin the ball, and apparently
1: that that's 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 not <laughs> cricket. <laughs> Don't you be coming down here with your elephant and castle ways, spinning the ball, yeah. ruining the sport of stall ball. And you know, you'll be bowling into the breeze off the beach in a minute. Now, Wigan fans, <laughs> uh, we've <laughs> we've been <laughs> both. I think both our voices sound a bit more sexy today, Kieran. Though we've got a hint of cold. Um, Wigan fans, here we, we've been waiting for to, to tell you this for quite some time. Happy Easter! Pour pour the champagne. Get the chocolate ready because the takeover has been confirmed, Kieran. Yes,
0: fantastic news! The, the it was confirmed on Tuesday. Um, Things started to drip through because there's a company called Phoenix 2021, which had been formed a couple of months ago. Um, And and I'd spotted something at Companies House early yesterday that all of a sudden £3.6 million had mysteriously gone into their bank account, um, which I can only assume was then used to buy Wigan. Um so yeah it it's good news the club can now move forwards they've got the Bahraini consortium effectively in charge um I'm going to do a bit of a shout out here that there uh, there's two people who are on the board of directors who are ex students at the University of Liverpool MBA course on football so oh, wow. uh, you know, we I, I will I will be monitoring them you know and and they know it um, and I think one of them might even be coming on the show to to give us a bit more depth as to what's happened in respect of Wigan. Really? Um, but we've got a couple of alumni there, so, so we're feeling very proud that you know, all the theory that we've gone through is is turning into practice.
1: You've really scared them now, because Kieran's monitoring us. <laughs> you can't take, you can't mark them. <laughs> you sounded like Muttley. That was an evil juggle. You can't mark them down there. That's 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 very good news. Because you know what, Kieran, that must be a very satisfying feeling for you to know that you've had a a small part in 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 that takeover in in a way and i think it's a story that we've covered right from the very start and i couldn't be more pleased for all those wigan fans that we've spoken to over the piece and and, and yeah you know, we'll hopefully we'll get to talk to a couple more of them just just for one minute so they can literally tell us how happy they are uh, but that would be great but in, in your opinion obviously you know these people you know two of them this this seems like a proper responsible takeover by a proper responsible group we hopefully we'll Take good care of the club. Yeah, first of all, they, they've done their
0: homework. They, they know what they're buying. Um, the people involved who are on the on the board, um, they understand football. So whereas, yeah, uh, you know, we need to park the the the, the, the 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 finger pointing at IEC and Al Young. They were never in it for the football. Yeah. Um, and uh, now, the, the, the people involved clearly do have some form of Uh, vision in terms of first of all uh you know building up the strength of the club making sure that its assets are are properly secure it's got a strong balance sheet and and then you can start to move to the the football side of things
1: yeah let's 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 hope they've got a bit of spare cash left over kieran to build that statue of the self-aggrandizing administrator we talked about last week now you've been having a look at um bournemouth's figures i noticed you uh social media ring the arse out of this one because it's they're not particularly good are they uh, yeah, because uh, it is, uh, it, it is of course, the, the 31st
0: of March on which we are recording the show. And uh, for those clubs that have got a 30th of June year end, most of them have only got nine months in which to publish their accounts. So today uh, it's been Bournemouth, Cambridge, Colchester United, Northampton, Pompey, West Brom are putting out bits of theirs. So yeah it has been a, it's been a busy day for spreadsheets uh, to put it mildly. Um and in respect of um Bournemouth it's probably about as good as can be expected. Oh, and okay. when I tell you as good as can be expected is a 75 million pound loss, I think wow. it that shows just how normalized things have become in the Premier League in terms of the impact that Covid had last season. Yeah. We've we've now got Twelve clubs who have uh, published their, their their accounts, and and between them, they've lost three quarters of a billion pounds, which wow. is which is staggering. Uh, and those losses are being covered by a combination of player sales and uh, owner investments. And and in respect of uh, in, in respect of Bournemouth, you know, trying to get to the, the the real detail as as to the background of the owner is difficult because the club is registered. In the uh, in the British Virgin Islands, the parent company, but uh, the the owner, who is a Russian billionaire called Maximum Denim, which is a strange name, um, has not. Is an aftershave? Bought... An aftershave? <laughs> if not, I think it should be. <laughs> <laughs> I'd bought it in the seventies for me dad. <laughs> Yes, go on, Maximum Denim. Yes, Maximum Denim has put in another twenty-seven million pounds into the club, so you know his total investment is well into uh, you know about one hundred and thirty million. Um, you know, and even though Bournemouth had a you know had a very good innings in in the Premier League, um, they only made a profit in one year out of I think the six or seven that they were there, which is indicative of just how tough it is. To to survive in the Premier League, so many people fall into the trap it, that once you're there, um, it's going to be a real gravy train for the owners. But that's not necessarily the case.
1: So this seventy five million pound loss that's that's including the parachute payment from falling out of the Premier League, is it? No, no that, that that's for last season. So that's twenty. So that is their old oh, while well, they were still in the season Premier League. In oh, the Premier I, League. I, I see. Oh crikey, of course it was. Yes. Blimey, they lost that money in the print. That's interesting. Um, and why, of all the other clubs you mentioned, uh, has Guy specifically wanted us to mention Cambridge United? Um, well, again, Cambridge
0: United is not a club that gets a lot of credit, but yeah, at the same time, it, it lost over three. Yeah, and we're talking com- far fewer zeros, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's the old Mr. McCorber comment, isn't it? It it's all yeah. depends upon which side of the divide you're on. Um, They lost £346,000 in in the year, and somebody's got to write out a check, in effect, to to cover those losses. Uh, So it it does look as if they're they're managing to to get through. Clearly, this season, they they will be uh, in receipt of money from the Premier League £50 million grant package. Um, But regardless of the division, uh, so many clubs are reporting losses for 2019-20 and remember that the sport was only impacted in terms of Covid from March to June during that season so you know it's the the figures for this year are going to be eye-wateringly painful
1: yes well we won't look forward to that now I don't often get to say this Kieran but we have news from the National Cyber Security Centre I'm afraid the Baroness has accessed your internet history um (laughs) <laughs> and it seems from the National Cyber Security Centre that West Ham may have leaked some fans' details. That's quite serious. This breach, is it. Um,
0: yeah, it, the uh, the national, the, the NSCS or whatever it calls itself, uh, it, it puts out a weekly report, and uh, somehow these some some strange stuff arrives in my inbox from strange places. <laughs> <laughs> quite often, <in> Russia. <laughs> When am I coming back? <laughs> and I'll delete that before the baroness catches that one. Um, but this this is in respect of um, West Ham's website, and, and apparently, if you went onto the website as a fan, it allowed people to see the names, addresses, date of birth, phone numbers and email addresses of other fans. Now, you know West Ham fans are. Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be interested in that. But it only needs one person with an ulterior motive, and all of a sudden you've yes, got you've got some pretty useful information, which can then be used for um, shenanigans and ulterior purposes. Um, but it, it does sort of, you know, ask first of all, why on earth did this happen? The, the club did a did a uh, an investigation. It was an internal. It was an internal error. It's now been addressed. Um, but football, along with, sadly, many other institutions, is the target for cyber attacks. We've seen uh, the NHS, we've, we've seen Manchester United, who had all of their email addresses impossible to access for for a few weeks. And somebody was trying to get five million pounds off them. Uh, there was a report that another uh, Premier League club ended up potentially having to pay out to these scumbags. Um and it's it's indicative of of where we are today. In that you can be a criminal from your bedroom, yeah. um, and you know, there's there's a lot of unpleasant people out there. I, I know at university we've had to upgrade our uh, our defences because uh, you're never quite sure. And, and you know we're doing research into some very sensitive areas. Yeah, you know, not oh, not shit. not the nonsense that I teach. It's you know I've got I've got colleagues who are who are proper, proper boffins, if you know what I mean, you know, the, yeah. the people doing the stuff on astrophysics and, and uh, re- research on, on you know, vaccines and things of that nature, and, and we've got some fantastic people that I work with, um, and, and we've got to protect them.
1: Yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't think high-profile West Ham fans like Danny Dyer or James Corden would be that happy about the the notion that their contact details could be. But there's, there's no, there's no indication, for example, that personal bank account details or anything like that were were revealed
0: not not from what I've seen on the um NSCS website site so yeah that's that's at least one thing uh, i mean I'm, I'm I presume like me you probably get two or three calls a day from people claiming to be uh from the National Insurance Bureau uh, and they're going to close down your account or from Amazon or from Microsoft and and it is just getting pretty relentless. Um and, and you know how these how these people get through to to uh, you know you know punters like us is, is something which is baffling. But the the telecommunications industry seems to take a fairly relaxed approach to it.
1: Mm. Uh, I ordered something from Fat Face three Christmases ago for Ali. Didn't fit as it happened. Um, but I'd probably get an email from them on a you know, three times a week basis offering me bobble hats, socks, that sort of thing. But we had a rather plaintive one last week saying that they'd had a breach of their security and it was possible that bank details had been leaked but not seriously enough to make me have to change my bank account, which was fine. Good luck accessing that. But, it, you know, if if a football club were to release details of that sort, accidentally bank details, and people then had to change accounts because of it, would the club be liable for any costs that may occur in doing that?
0: Uh, potentially. Yeah, there could either be a, a class action suit or it could be that the the regulators uh, of things of this nature would would prosecute or fine the, the institution. And, and, yeah, we're talking far beyond football clubs here for, for lax, lax control over sensitive information. Yeah, we, we do have, what was it called, GDPR or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it does mean that people have had to up their game, but it's, it's a constant, uh, constant case of chase up with the with the scumbags.
1: Yeah, well, also, I imagine that these databases will be worth quite a lot of money to some companies, wouldn't they, for marketing purposes?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the future of football is is data based. You know, Manchester United, who who you know, they claim to have eleven hundred million followers around the world. Well, if they can get even, you know. Ten or twenty percent of those people to sign up for the Manchester United app, and then they can, course, you know, they they can use cookies to follow them. They've got an awful lot of information, which is of value, and and data is going to be as valuable in for the next twenty or thirty years as oil has been for the last fifty or sixty.
1: Oh well, let's not discourage people from joining our Patreon's club, whatever it is. We we promise you everybody that we will not use your data to access specific information about what sort of mugs you like. Oh dear, I've given it away. it's looking likely, Kieran, hurrah, that some fans will be able to attend the FA Cup semi-final.
0: Hi, I'm Steve Lemack and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. Yes, this this is a this is an intriguing story because it looks as if this is going to be a sort of a test match um, for one of the semi-finals only. Oh, okay. Which does seem a bit confusing. Uh, I mean, I, I've looked at the comments from Oliver Dowden, and and it, he, his comments are: it, it's a case of can we ensure that we can set up one-way systems, have proper ventilation. Look for the pinch points in terms of when people are coming to and from the ground and looking at the number of interactions. So, what the government wants to do is to effectively say if we've got, um, I think it's, you know, it could be 10,000 people turning up at the match, um, are they going to behave in a suitably so- socially distanced manner that we can then? start to um, you know, release the gates in terms of who can attend. Yeah. Um, the FA are confident that there will be 20,000 people attending the final for the FA Cup. Um, and we've also heard that uh, yeah, the Premier League, which has now shifted one set of midweek matches to the last week of the season, so every club in the Premier League will now be hosting one game in front of fans, and um, there's even talk about away fans attending those matches as well um which uh, i i guess as yeah you know, as as a fan you have got mixed feelings about because there's so many clubs that have yeah you know, have had fans who have either delayed taking refunds or have uh, you know been you know they, everybody's been very patient and when we did have tiers 2 and 3 and so on uh in November and December uh, it meant that some fans didn't get to see their their clubs play and others did which seems a little bit harsh um but uh you know if, having away fans uh, will will add another layer of uh you know progress i guess to w- where we hope to be at some point in in the sense of full stadiums and it, 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 enjoying football for the reasons why we uh, fell in love
1: with it in the first place. That's an intriguing one, that, Kieran. We should keep an eye on it because I yeah, I, I know, for example, at Sellers Park, we, we're we allowed 6,500 people in, which is 25%. Um, there'll be no shortage of Palace fans who want to take those tickets. I don't think they'd be too happy if 500 Arsenal fans were there and quite a few Palace season tickets weren't able to, to attend. Um, do we know which semi-final... Uh, it's going to be have they decided um,
0: as yet no um, so you know I, th- I think yeah, Leicester fans will be desperate to get there of course because it will be a big day out you know, and, you know that's not, no disrespect to Leicester but getting to Wembley for an FA Cup semi-final uh, means more to Leicester fans than it does to Manchester United and, and City and
1: Chelsea it's as simple yeah. as that yeah. do you know what I reckon it's, it's probably Newcastle complaining again because they were so unhappy about the idea of Fulham having fans in for that last game of the season, weren't they? which is a potential relegation decider. They, 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 they're probably the club that have put their foot down and said there has to be away fans. You can't blame them, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but we'll keep an eye on that. Which, it would seem a shame, though, Kieran, if, if fans have won one of the semi-final teams could go. And what about the Carabao Cup? Because it was talk that there were the fans in as well, wouldn't it, for the final? Um. Yes, uh, in terms
0: of the Carabao Cup, the EFL I understand are confident um, that there will be a limited number of fans, and you know you, you want something to be taking place. Uh, you know, Spurs fans again. It's two thousand and eight since they last won a trophy. I think it's the only one that they've won this this century. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes, Kira. yes, it is. I believe yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know. You, They've, they deserve a chance
0: to see. I guess they've been to the, the Champions League final as well. But, yeah, it's the only domestic uh, thing that they, they've achieved.
1: Yeah, for a club that hasn't won the title since 1961, they certainly are quite entitled, aren't they, their fans? Um, the European Clubs Association and UEFA are at loggerheads over the future of the Champions League. And this, this seems to be a story that changes on a daily basis, Kieran. And this is to do with the 10-game... The group stage is it
0: well um the the format of the champions league going forwards from 2024-25 that appears to be done and dusted so this is our legendary um swiss model and, and, and i was looking into it in, in a bit more depth as as i i tend to do with models um <laughs> and it starts off with 36 teams it's not even, 1977 kieran
1: Sadly, (laughs) yes
0: Um, It it starts off with 36 teams Who are going to play 180 games In order to reduce the competition Down from 36 to 24 Wow Yeah, that's progress, isn't it? Yeah
1: Um,
0: And then the clubs who are 9th to 24th They have a playoff to find out who gets into the last 16, and then it goes forwards from there. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's an awful lot of football to, to not make very much progress. And, and you know, what, what happens if you are, you know, 18th and you're playing the club, which are 21st and it's two matches to go? That, you know, there, there's there's going to be an awful lot of dead rubbers. <laughs>
1: Yeah, sorry, sorry, Kieran I left a pause as I assumed there was going to be another nineteen. Well, I, 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 <laughs> no. shall I hand this one across to you? Yeah, I, I just I thought we, we were going to be ending up under the pier of Brighton Beach there, but no. <laughs> um, it, it, it does all beg. I mean, I, I've researched this, Karen, and it it does beg the question: why? And, and we're not the only people asking that. Steve Parish, uh, chairman of Crystal Palace, second oldest football club in the league. Uh, speaking of the expansion plans in the Daily Mail yesterday, said most clubs don't want them, most fans don't want them and broadcasters aren't asking for them. So, yeah, and of course UEFA would say, well, he's talking about a club that will never be part of those plans, I imagine. But it does beg the question, who do, who does want this expanded league?
0: Well, we now move on to the, the coup d'etat, uh, as it appears to be, between the... European Clubs Association, which in theory represents two hundred and twenty clubs in Europe, in practice probably represents about fifteen to twenty, um, uh, versus UEFA um, and the leagues themselves. So uh, it, it's a real power battle. Um, the The big clubs, as 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 we know, we know where we stand. They they want more money. They want more certainty. So the battle appears to be. Between these clubs, who think that finishing seventh in the Premier League is sufficient to get you into a competition called the Champions League, so that's that's what could potentially happen. Um, and we talk about clubs, and I think we have to be careful here because when I talk to to my friends, yeah, you know, I. I, I I teach at the University of Liverpool. I've lived in Manchester most of my life. Um, United fans and Liverpool fans say, "Well, if, if we don't finish in the top four, we don't deserve it, and we yeah. don't. You know, it's up to us to get our act together." Yeah. To, uh, so there is no desire coming from the, the, the fan base. Um, so who who, is, who are we talking about? We're talking about club owners. Um, right. And do, does uh, do the Glazers do does John Henry at FSG actually give a hoot about football? They, they don't they, they these we 're dealing with money people and money people focus on bottom line and the, the the champions league is is very lucrative um so everything is stacked towards um these clubs because um the 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 league saying well if there 's an extra four places going into this this new competition or this new format of the competition. Why can't that go to the, the the winners of the the Dutch League or the winners winners of the Scottish Premiership or things? That, and that would be yeah, it would be fantastic if they did. And then the the owners of Manchester United and Liverpool say, well, hold on, you know, we we might not finish in the top four, yeah, yeah. and it's it's going to cost us money. And, and you know, and we we're entitled to be there. And you, know, you, you you talk about you mentioned entitlement before. Entitlement from club owners is um. A very distressing thing. So we've now got effectively the Premier League and the Bundesliga on one side, and individual clubs from the Premier League and the Bundesliga against the leagues for which they represent. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know where we go. And, and I did did ever think say, so well, well, hold on, yeah, you know, perhaps I'm just being too old fashioned in this. Now, now here's a suggestion, and and I'm going and I'm going to contract uh, Agnelli at Juve. Because he's he's unhappy that uh, his club has recently been booted out of the Champions League by I think it was Leon Porto and yep. uh, Ajax. yeah those yep. clubs don't deserve to be there. How about this? The club that has the most Instagram followers <laughs> before the match gets, an, gets a gets a goal head start, and that means if if you're if you're a proper you know if if you're a Manchester United fan in 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 Arkansas called you know. White D Schmuckelberger the third or something. You say, well, I, I can't be, I can't be at the match, but by liking the club
1: on Instagram, I'm helping my club.
0: Yeah. I think I think
1: that's the way forwards. You could be on a winner now. I've got, I've got another idea, Kieran, which is where the the champions of each league in Europe go into a cup competition and play each other. Uh, and if you get knocked out, you get knocked out. Simple as that. That. I, that's 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 radical. That is, Kevin. It's hopelessly, hopelessly modern, isn't it? Um, and of course, those the money people you talk about, because they have a lot of money, they don't realise the money it takes for fans to attend those extra games, either, do they? That's that's the thing. It's all very well saying there's going to be you know two, four, six, eight extra group games. That's what the fans want, but they don't because they can't afford it. It's as simple as that. Yep. Yeah.
0: and the the impact this will have on domestic football is you you how can you fit in and and they're talking about it's an, it will only be an extra four match weeks or whatever they they call but the if you're if you're a club in the premier league you're not allowed to play on the mat, on the dates when the uefa matches take place so yeah you know, what happens if you've got a replay or well there won't be any replays because there won't be any cups the, you know the carabao cup is is very very much at risk for this the uh, as I understand it, the FA Cup apart from the third round will move to a midweek competition. And and that is a tragedy because for any you know, I I can remember Exeter City and Crawley being away at Old Trafford. Yeah. And it was, you know, the whole the whole town yeah. decamps <laughs> and it's it's something which is memorable and, and that that surely does count. But I guess you know, again we're we're looking at it from the wrong point of view. We, we we've got this silly notion that it's fans that should be at the heartbeat of football and the owners are thinking it's them.
1: Yeah. Here's another radical idea, Kieran. I think all the teams that win the FA Cups in their respective countries should go into a cup tournament and call it the Cup Winners' Cup. How about that as an idea? <sighs> I, I, you're, you're wasted on this podcast. Kevin. I'm, I should be in marketing of some sort, shouldn't I? And it's uh, also what intrigues me, Kieran, and this is mainly anecdotal. So I haven't seen the figures on this, although there are, is some suggestion that they would back me up, is that the fact that there's been games virtually every night of the week during the COVID pandemic. Has shown that there's no real appetite for for more football on TV from from fans. So, I, this this notion that the broadcasters at the, would be rubbing their hands together with glee because there's going to be an extra game, yeah. You no, know, I don't know anybody who watches the UEFA games on a Europa Cup games on a Thursday night unless they support the team involved. It's it's, it's beyond me. Uh, this is a very odd story, this one, Kieran. I, I believe. It's our first ever trip to Pakistan, but the Pakistan Football Headquarters has been attacked. With one official saying that he was forced to hand over the accounts and the chequebook.
0: Yes, um, this 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 is actually a quite distressing story. Yeah. Um, pa- Pakistan were were banned by FIFA in in 2015, uh, and the reason why they were banned was due to political interference in the game. in right. terms of uh the 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 chief executive of the of the Pakistan Football Federation was appointed by a court um, and that court was itself appointed by people within the politics of Pakistan. And uh so that yeah, that that cost Pakistan progress uh, um and then we made a little bit of you know we, we moved ourselves forward a bit and FIFA relinquished the ban, and they had a guy called uh, Harun Malik, who was the chair of the PFF. And I think it was on Saturday night. It was effectively um, they, they were stormed by uh, by a, a, the former chief executive, who uh, was effectively held to ransom again. It was yeah. I said the words coup d'état once today, so I might as well say it twice. Um, and it, he was forced to hand over the chequebook and things of this nature. The, the The Pakistan Women's Championship was due to take place in Karachi this weekend, and the you know Pakistan Women's football it's it's trying to progress, but the co- competition got cancelled because nobody knew what was happening. Um, I suspect that FIFA will now. Uh, reawaken itself in terms of monitoring what's happening in Pakistan and then there's a, there's a genuine chance that they will go back to the, the position they took in 2015 and said this, uh, this coup d'etat appears to be government sanctioned and therefore yeah, we want to keep a, a modicum of political interference in football uh, away from the game and we're going to ban you again. So um, yeah, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, you know, it, it's the other side of the world, and you know, Pakistan is more of a cricket country than a football country. But this, this is this is absolutely appalling behaviour.
1: Yeah, it's 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 one of the Pakistan and India, the the countries that you kind of hope don't ever start taking football seriously because they've got such enormous populations, and you imagine a huge depth of sporting talent if they were to take football. Seriously, that is a distressing story, and it's one we'll keep an eye on. And the Chinese FA has disqualified six of their clubs from taking part in professional football next season because of financial problems. It takes a lot for a league to disqualify its own clubs, doesn't it? Uh, It does, except in China. I mean, the the league is due to start, I
0: think, on the the 20th of April, and uh, I think matches are taking place in bubbles. Now, we have spoken about the Chinese Super League champion Jiangsu who effectively were liquidated themselves. They just disappeared Mm -hmm. off the face of the earth in February. Um, But the the, the Chinese Football Federation has um, banned or effectively uh, disqualified three clubs in Division 2, including Tao Zhou Yuanda, and that's as far as I'm going to go with my pronunciations, Um, two more clubs in the third division. Um, and, And this is due to a lack of financial control, um they've also introduced a um a significant wage wage cap in in the super league because the the football authorities have decided that they don't particularly want to be associated with conspicuous consumption in the form of you know too much of a bling environment uh, in football but also the clubs were losing money um and i thought well, you know, six clubs being disqualified that that doesn't look too great but i read the full sort of press release and they said, we're really pleased that it's only six clubs compared to 2020 when it was 16. So, oh. you know, I think this should be a good news story rather than a bad one.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's not that long ago, is it, that, that Chinese football was was thought to be awash with with money. It, it became a bit of a cliche that, you know, somebody, virtually three years running, we thought Ben Teke would be off to, to China to take advantage of the £600,000 a week wages or whatever you believed was available. So, it it, it hasn't taken long for that bubble to burst, is it? That's right. And and and
0: it's due to a change, I think in the political ethos of, of China, um, China is very keen to host a world cup. Uh, I think it is looking potentially at 2030, but might have to be 2034 because, you know, Qatar is perhaps too close from a, a confederations perspective. Yeah. But, uh, Initially, I think the viewpoint was by investing an awful lot of money in European clubs. They could pick up tips in terms of training and coaching and things of that nature. Um, that didn't seem to work. Then, well, let's bring the players to China. And that didn't seem to work because it tended to be players, not necessarily at the at the height of their career, perhaps on the, on the downside. Um, and yeah, the, the Chinese government felt, yeah, this doesn't look good you know this is not how we want to portray ourselves as just throwing money around willy-nilly because that sort of yeah, is clearly inconsistent with the the communist ethos of of the country yeah um so now it's sort of it's 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 contracted its its expansion um because it was i think it was only in 2018 that the chinese super league spent more money in one of the transfer windows than the premier league did yeah, and everybody was cheap as creepers yeah this, this is this is serious competition um so uh, there's still a huge desire to uh host the World Cup, but the these the, the, the philosophy in China is very different because you know the, the nation does have the the one child policy, and you know I'm, as you know, I work in education and, and education is taken very, very seriously over there so whereas here you know in, in in England if if one of your kids is progressing and gets the chance to go to academy for a, a football club, everybody's made up. Perhaps in China they're thinking, "Well, is this going to take my child away from opportunity yeah. to go to university, yeah. to go into an engineering?" Football doesn't have necessarily the same cultural uh, position in China than it does no. uh, in, in in England. That's
1: interesting. Before we go, Kieran, a big thank you to those of you who have already signed up to become patrons of our pod. We only started it on Sunday, so that's very impressive. And that list includes James Cruden, Martin Scholar, Peter Keeley, Andy Hunter, Andy Stone, Matt, John McSherry, Swiss Ramble, not really, Mahesh McCarney, Kevin Moore, Nobby Clark, hello Nobby, Stephen, Mike McCarthy, Joe Haining, Tom McCool, great name, Will Frapple, Graham Nealon, Christopher Saunders, and Chris Haywards. Women don't listen to this pod, Kieran, do they? Um, if you'd like to make uh, a small monthly contribution in return for mentions and stuff, go to patreon.com forward slash priceoffootball. Don't worry, we will always be free to air that any of your donations would be most welcome because Guy needs a new sofa. And of course, if you want to ask us any questions about the world of football, it's questions at priceoffootball.com. And, and I shall hand you over to Kieran Maguire of Liverpool University for his traditional Trademark farewell
0: well th- thanks for all the great stuff as usual folks we, we, we do a feedback we, we do love the fact that uh, that guy the <laughs> producer does now appear to have metamorphized into <laughs> it's, the
1: stig it's from astonishing yeah it's, 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 it's amazing he's got a fan club and he's, he's so pleased with himself as well it's 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 shameful watching a normally modest man. Go. It does just a bit of fun, isn't it? I'm sure they like you too as well as they like me. <laughs> <laughs> and just also, uh, just a
0: reminder that uh, next Wednesday um, we will be recording with Neil Doncaster, the head of the SPFL. So if you have any specific questions in relation to uh, Scottish football, um, please send them in to questions at priceoffootball.com. dot com. And if you could mark them Scotland, then then uh, producer guy. Uh, when he's not uh, saving the world and stopping trains and rescuing (laughs) women from burning skyscrapers, he will put them into the right pile.
1: Yeah, I can imagine Guy in a cape. I don't know what his superhero name would be. Perhaps we could ask our patrons for suggestions. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.
0: next football. for